Recently, I had an experience with credit card fraud that caused so much unnecessary stress and anxiety. I spent hours on the phone and in chats with my credit card company. I had to get two different cards before the fraud stopped and I was so worried about what was gonna happen to my money in my bank account. And I sometimes have the fear that it's gonna happen again, right? And that's why I'm so excited to introduce You Are The Healer's newest sponsor, Aura, an app for protecting online data and personal information. Cleaning up my information not only helps reduce the amount of spam I get, but it protects me from hackers who could use this information to help them access things like my social media accounts, bank accounts, and other sensitive information. Protecting yourself and your personal information is a form of self-care. I swear. Go to my sponsor, ara.com healer to get a 14-day free trial and have peace of mind knowing your information is safe. Again, that's ara, A-U-R-A, dot com slash healer for your two-week free trial. Therapy has been so largely beneficial on my mental health journey, and I'm really excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, you've probably heard me say that therapy is mandatory because there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help, and I think that every single person who walks this earth needs it. So I'm really excited to be connected with BetterHelp and offer affordable and accessible therapy um, the link will be in my show notes, or you can go to betterhelp.com slash healer. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash healer. Welcome to the You Are the Healer podcast. This is Sydney Rindernecht, a psych nurse and your host, here to educate, support, and motivate and encourage you to be your own healer and to take care of yourself as we dive into different mental health topics. Let's get into the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to You Are the Healer. I am so grateful that you're here, that you're listening. If you're new, thank you so much for tuning in. I took a little bit of a break, and I'm back, and I'm very, very excited to be recording and chatting with you guys again. So let's get into this week's episode. I'm going to start with my check-in. We'll do a low, a high, and a lesson that I'm learning right now. So I had a hard time even coming up with a low because I don't know, I just feel like my life's been really great right now. And I have like, um, I think it's called like object permanence, where if I'm not experiencing something like right now in this moment, I have a hard time remembering like, oh yeah, I struggled with that this week because right now I'm not struggling with it. That makes sense. So a low that I have is I've this whole month, I've had really bad headaches and I'm someone that gets chronic migraines and I've been down the whole rabbit hole of going to a neurologist and taking meds and then switching meds and just basically trying to figure out like what's going on. Why am I in so much pain? And it's been really disheartening and frustrating because it's something that I've been trying to figure out for years of my life. And being in pain is just so frustrating. And I mean, it sucks. I hate taking meds and I'm taking a lot of pain meds and it just like, I feel like I'm almost at a crossroads. Like, I don't know what to do next. Like, I feel like I've almost tried everything and So it's just been really frustrating and disheartening to deal with. That being said, I know that my headaches, I get like chronic daily headaches. Like they're not super severe. I don't get like an aura. I just have like tension in my head and my jaw and it just hurts. And I've noticed that I have headaches if I'm ever in like a weird spot mentally. Like if I'm really overthinking or I'm like really sad or emotional, like my first symptom that I'm really in my emotional body is that I get a headache. And so I'm trying to spin it so that my, if I notice I have a headache, it cues me in to check in on myself. So 
Um, usually if I get like really upsetting news, I'll get a headache right away. And then if I'm able to kind of take care of myself accordingly, the headache will go away. So I'm not super convinced it's like this disease that something's wrong with me physically. It's more so like my body cues me in with pain, which freaking sucks. But the headache allows me to check in with myself and take care of myself. And it's it's a very obvious symptom. So I'm kind of grateful for it in, in some ways because it really allows me to know what's going on with myself a little bit better. But that being said, pain sucks. So it's my low. <laughs> Okay, my hi. Um, I have, my parents just came and visited, so I have a lot of really great quality family time. Um, I love whenever they come because we always do a lot of fun things, and it's just nice being with you know family when you know they live far away. So it's like the time is a little bit more sacred. And we went to the Taylor Swift concert. That was so much fun. Um, it was really like it felt like monumental, and I've been a Swiftie like you know majority of my life and I used to think she was like super cringy so I was like in the closet about her but like I mean the production of the concert was insane and I'm just really grateful that I was able to go with people I love we all dressed up as different eras um, which is super fun um and the last high I'll share I'm so excited about is that the podcast you are the healer is now on apple podcasts I was so excited when I finally got approved because I'm not tech savvy at all. So it's been really difficult um, doing all the production for the podcast. And um, when I was finally like approved to be on Apple and I saw myself like the the show on Apple, I was like, oh my gosh, like I did it. Like I made a podcast. Everyone can listen to it. It's on all streaming services now, which is super exciting. So I'm hoping, you know, the audience is going to grow and I'm just really grateful for all of that. I was so geeked. Um, so yeah, if you're listening on Apple podcasts or on any streaming platform, rate review, share it with a friend. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's get into it. So my lesson that I'm learning right now in my life, um, at first I started thinking about this in relation to the podcast, but it really can go to any category of your life. So the lesson I'm learning right now is I can take my time. I don't need to rush. Like I think we have this really toxic mindset of like, go, go, go. You need to crush your goals. You need to be working on them all the time. But like, why are we rushing? You, you, you're able to enjoy the process of what you're doing just for what it is as you're doing it. Like you don't need to always be like pushing to this end goal. You, you, can, you can slow down. You can really just appreciate the process. Right. And so this is something I was realizing with the podcast is like, I see all these things that I want to improve on, that I want to grow, that I want to do. And I was like, I need to do them all right now. And then I had this thought, like, why? Why do I need to to make every certain step right now? Like I literally can take my time. And so it was really nice taking a break because I was able to work on some of the back end stuff and like get on Apple Podcasts, which was super exciting. And I realized like you know, my goal for this podcast is to spread a message of love and light and be my authentic self and help people help themselves. I don't need the fanciest intro and I don't need all of these high-tech things in order to do that. Like I'm already doing it. So I don't need to rush because I'm already at my goal. Like I'm already there. And you can relate this to tons of different things in your life, especially relating to your mental health. Like if you are struggling in the process of taking care of yourself, like 
taking care of yourself is a beautiful thing and you can take your time doing it. You don't need to rush and figure everything out. You don't need to to rush and and get the groundbreaking breakthrough with your therapist and then heal everything all at once. Like it is a beautiful process and you can take your time and enjoy the process. All right, that's my check-in. Let's get into this episode. This episode, we are going to be talking about alcohol and how it relates to our mental health and well-being. And I want to preface with a couple of things. First of all, if you hear like a little bell jingling, maybe a meow, um, that is my my sweet cat Luna just trying to say hi. Um, she does this thing where wherever I'm like doing something, she likes to parallel mimic whatever I'm doing. So that means whenever I'm recording, she likes to sit next to me and paw at my laptop or just kind of run around. So I've noticed in other episodes, you can hear her little bell. That's who that is. Luna just wants to say hi and she wants to be part of the community. And then I also want to start with a trigger warning. I will be talking about self-harm and suicidality and eating disorder things. So if you're not in the space to hear something like that, I love you. I support you and I support your decision to take a break from hearing materials that can be triggering. Um, So let's get into my relationship with alcohol and kind of where I'm at, because this is something that's super relevant in my mental health journey and my spiritual journey. So I had mental health struggles um, pretty much my whole life growing up. And if you want to know all the the nice juicy details of that, you can listen to, I have an episode talking about my entire mental health story. So I'm not going to get into the specifics of everything that I struggled with, but um, that kind of started the foundation of what I'm going to be talking about. So I started drinking. I was, I believe, in eighth grade. I like snuck with my friends and we tried drinking and then we got caught. So I got grounded. So um, I like started drinking age 14, 15 and drinking and alcohol really served me when it was in my life. I now am, I call myself sober curious because I think saying sober is like a lot of pressure, but we'll talk about all of that. So, you know, I drank all throughout high school. I I had a pretty like intense party phase. Like I would go out and, and my parents kind of knew what was going on. So like they would drop me off or pick me up or they knew I would be spending the night at someone's house. Um, and a big thing in my house was like, just be honest with us, be transparent and like do it safely. Um, so honestly, I had a really good experience with alcohol. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It really created this like party environment in high school. And then when I got to college, I really started partaking more in binge drinking and that was everywhere. And I went to, to a school, I think honestly, any college has been shrinking, but the city that I was in was a lot of drinking and sports focused and they kind of went hand in hand. And so, you know, I started blacking out for the first time and that was really scary for me. Um, and just, I started getting really hungover when I was in college. I remember the hangover that I got when I was after my 21st birthday, if anyone listening was there, oh my gosh, it was kind of hilarious because I had thrown up that night from binge drinking and eating drunk food and all that stuff. And I hate throwing up. Like, I mean, obviously I have a history of bulimia. So like, I literally hate throwing up. Like I don't throw up unless I have to, but I was super drunk and my friends were like, oh, you need to throw up. I was like, okay. So I like made myself throw up, which triggered my gag reflex. The whole next day I'm like at brunch, like, 
like literally gagging because I hadn't thrown up in years. Anyways, so, you know, drinking was great and it was a lot of fun and I don't regret it at all. Um, when I used to drink, whenever I moved to Colorado and really graduated from like college and that, that party atmosphere that like, oh, let's, let's, you know, go to happy hour and all of that stuff. When I moved to Colorado, I really started evaluating my relationship with alcohol because I didn't really feel like I needed it anymore. And, um, you know, I started getting like really intense hangovers and it got to the point where like I would be drinking the night before and I would spend the entire next day, like in bed, kind of debilitated because I would be low on sleep because you don't sleep as good when you drink. I would, um, be in pain. I would get headaches. I would get stomach aches. I would just be fatigued. And so I would spend like the whole next day recovering from a couple hours of fun the night before. And I mean, I'm someone that's like struggled pretty bad with depression. And for me, I started questioning like, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it going out and drinking if I'm going to spend the entire next day, like struggling to get out of bed when that's something like I already have experienced struggling with. And I don't, I know I don't like it and I want to move away from it. So I started just really critically thinking like, why am I doing this? What, what is it serving for me? And so really within the last two years, I've cut back a ton, a ton, a ton on my drinking. Um, and it's been this like evolving process of like initially, like really last year, I knew that I didn't like it, but I would go out with my friends. I'm like, well, I'm going out with my friends. Like, of course I want to have a couple drinks. I'd have a couple drinks and then I would feel like shit the next day. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, I know it's not good for me. And it was this like vicious cycle of like, okay, I'm never drinking again. Okay. But now there's a situation that I want to drink at. And then I drink at it. And I'd be like, well, why am I drinking? And then I would feel bad. And it was like this, this nonstop cycle. And like over and over, I was like, what, what is it going to take for me to realize? Like, I just don't need this anymore. I don't want it. I'm going to choose to not have it. And there was a couple things that really, I remember super sticking out to me. Um, the first time that I was like, okay, alcohol is not right in my body. And I share all this as a personal experience. I'm not going to tell everybody drinking is bad for you. Everyone needs to stop drinking. Everyone needs to be sober like me. This is my experience that I would like to share because I feel like no one talks about how harmful alcohol can be. Right. And being sober, I feel like now is more of a, um, it's up and coming. Like it's being talked about a little bit more, but I just really want to share my story because I know that people probably feel similar. And I think that there's a lot of power that comes with vulnerability because as humans, we feel less alone. And a big motivation for this podcast for me is to, you know, kind of open myself up and be vulnerable because then you won't feel as alone. And that is where a lot of dangerous mental health struggles come from is when you feel like there's something wrong with you. You're the only one experiencing this. So I just want to be completely truthful so that someone else can feel heard and seen and less alone because I know that alcohol really ties into mental health. I mean, that's why I'm talking about it. So one of the, I, I had like a lot of revelations about alcohol and it really goes hand in hand with like my spiritual journey. So I would say also from the last two years, I've been on this really accelerated spiritual journey where I've been like reading Eckhart Tolle books and just meditating and journaling and really questioning my relationship with myself and love and everything around me. And that's something that I'm very engaged in. And so uh, one of the revelations that I had that I would say is like a spiritual revelation, but it relates to alcohol. I, I remember I was at dinner and I had um, 
two French 75s. And I love a French 75, okay? Like, I'm not going to knock alcohol. Like, it's tasty, right? So I remember over the course of, like, a couple hours, I had two French 75s. And I felt pretty tipsy. And I was like, whoa, like, maybe I'm going to be a little honest. Like, it was, you know, when you're kind of tipsy, it's, like, really fun. And so, but I remember at that dinner, I was with my boyfriend at the time and his family. And it was, like, my first time really hanging out with them. And I remember like I could literally feel my inhibitions be lowered because I hadn't been drinking a lot in general. So like two drinks, I was like, damn, am I drunk? Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to say something that's like not well thought out to his parents and then they're not going to like me. Like I remember feeling uncomfortable with the the lack of filter that I had because of the alcohol. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. Um, Like for the night, right? And then a couple hours later, I get back home and I'm like dry heaving from nausea. My head is pounding. My stomach hurts. And I was experiencing literally a full-blown hangover a couple hours after drinking two drinks. And I was like, this feeling right now is not worth the amount of fun that I had from alcohol. And I honestly didn't even really have that much fun because I was like worried about spilling the beans and like slipping up and, and saying something, you know, out of character. So I was like, okay, this is really like not my thing. Like it is not worth it for me anymore. That was last July, like a year ago. And so really since then, I've been like, okay, drinking is not it. But um, after last July, I remember I love this podcast called XO Higher Self. It's um, by this lovely human. Their name is Bunny. And they, it's like a question and answer thing where it's advice about healing and your higher self, which is essentially in spirituality, it's like the version of you that guides you that that is always leading you towards love. And I'm constantly on my journey for my higher self. Right. And I remember I was listening to this, this episode, um, it was episode 39 of XO higher self. Um, and someone was talking about alcohol and how it's relating to their struggles. And, um, I remember like completely changing how I felt about alcohol after listening to this episode. So basically the episode talked about how, um, alcohol lowers your consciousness. And like in spirituality, my experience with it is I always want to raise my consciousness. I want to raise my vibration. I want to be aware of everything around me. I want to be conscious of the present moment at all times. And the way that this episode talked about alcohol is it literally like alcohol lowers your consciousness. Like you're physically unable to be aware. Um, When you think about like getting super drunk, you're unconscious from alcohol. That's literally the language. Like you lose your consciousness. It numbs your awareness and it can literally like take your entire memory out of an evening. And I don't know when I put the connection together, that alcohol lowers your consciousness. I was like, why am I doing it? Like I really was evaluating my relationship with alcohol. So within the last year, I literally completely stopped drinking Um, but I don't call myself completely sober because like when I was in Europe for a month, I, of course I had wine when I was in Italy and I actually got a little bit wine drunk and it was a lot of fun and I didn't feel hungover. And I was like, that's great. Like that is a positive experience with drinking. And when I was in Portugal, everyone was like, you got to try the green wine. And I'm like, I'm not going to not have, like, I'm not going to limit myself on this like cultural experience because I'm saying I don't drink. Like I know I can have one glass of wine and be fine. Um, but there's been a lot of revelations that I've had, um, in my relationship with alcohol and really evaluating it. And now I would say like, I 
I mean, I haven't had a drink since April and it's July. So it's been a couple months and I'm not really planning on drinking anytime soon. And I just want to talk a little bit about like my experience with being sober curious, how it relates to my mental health. And yeah, so we're going to get into it. Another revelation I had with my relationship with alcohol um, relates to how alcohol lowers your inhibitions. And usually that's something that people really like about alcohol, right? You are more willing to strike up a conversation with someone. You're letting loose a little bit. You know, you're, you're thinking less about what you're doing and it's more free flowy, more fun, right? That's what people like. I started noticing when my inhibitions are lowered, it was in a more detrimental way. So I'm someone that my automatic thoughts are very powerful. They're very strong. They're very negative and they can be very dangerous. And when I am sober, I spend a lot of my time noticing what I'm thinking about and reframing any negative thoughts because my automatic thoughts are very mean, very hurtful. Like you're worthless. No one cares about you. Like, like you should just kill yourself. Like things like that. That is like my brain in its raw form. And I consciously spend a lot of effort doing affirmations, journaling, in therapy, reframing my thoughts, noticing when they're negative, and manually pushing them up towards a more positive route. And that's something I've been doing for years. And it does take effort. And I started noticing that when I would drink and my inhibitions would be lowered, so would that effort towards positive thoughts, right? So I'm less able to reframe my thoughts. I'm less able to notice when I'm having negative thoughts. And I'm more likely to completely buy into the first belief that's in my head. And that was really dangerous for me because, like I said, my automatic thoughts can be pretty scary. And I remember um, I really started heavily considering not drinking ever again after this this incident happened. I I was actually um, on vacation with my besties. We were in Cancun. It was a lot of fun. We're at an all-inclusive resort. And so that's like unlimited food and drinks, right? The majority of the vacation, I didn't drink because I know it's not for me. I, I knew that I didn't like being hungover and I can still have a lot of fun without alcohol. So there was one night on this vacation where everyone was ordering espresso martinis. And I was like, okay, Slade, I love an espresso martini. Like, let me just, let me just order one. Like I can drink like that is fine. And I had one. It was delicious. We had it over dinner. I had another. I was feeling great. And we went from dinner to like this rooftop bar. And um, I remember my thoughts started getting negative. And I noticed that when I drink, like I believe all the negative thoughts to be completely true. I don't question them like I do when I'm sober and I don't reroute them. So I started having negative thoughts and they kept going and going and they felt really intense and I couldn't regulate myself because the coping skills and the strategies that I practice, um, I, I didn't have that ability to filter my thoughts like I usually do. And I remember um, we were on the rooftop and I, and I walked to the edge of this bar and I looked up at like the moon and the ocean and I was like, look at all of this wonderful stuff and like you can't appreciate it. Like you're sitting here miserable on vacation with your best friends. What's wrong with you? You might as well just jump off this, this balcony right now because you're clearly ungrateful. And, you know, regardless of where you are, you're always going to want to end your life. And so you might as well just do it right here. And I remember like holding on to the railing at this rooftop bar at this resort in Mexico. 
and genuinely contemplating suicide after two espresso martinis. And mind you, like, I was doing well before this. It wasn't like I was chronically having suicidal thoughts. It was like I was having a really fun vacation with my friends and I had two drinks and now I'm ready to end it all. And I'm, it was so scary to me because I was at a point where I, I, I didn't question the thought. I was like, yeah, I should do that. I should, I should believe this thought in my head because it, it felt so intense and strong and I, I didn't have the skills to pull myself out of it like I do when I'm sober. And I remember like crying a little bit and just thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just have alcohol? Like, why can't I just have fun? Like everybody else, like all my friends were like having fun on the dance floor. And I was like, why, why am I like this? And I remember my, my friend came up to me and I was telling him, I was like, this is what's going on. Like, I'm really scared. And I was really proud of myself for letting somebody in on what's going on because traditionally when I'm having active suicidal thoughts, I don't tell anybody about it and I feel really shameful and I'm like, but like that's too heavy for anyone to know about. Like I'm not going to tell them. But I told one of my friends, I told my boyfriend at the time and I obviously didn't act on the thoughts. Um, I was able to have some water and I went to bed and I, I really knew after that, you know, this, this thing, alcohol drinking is not worth my life. It is not worth all of the progress that I've been making on bettering myself. It's not worth, it's not worth ending my life over. And so that was a huge, huge, huge awakening moment of like, okay, this is not for me. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I wanted to share this experience because my relationship with alcohol and, and my mental health was pretty clear. It was pretty intense. And I think, I don't, I honestly don't think I've told anybody that, you know, that's a big reason why I don't drink is because I like have, not only do I have suicidal thoughts, but I think they're a good idea when I drink. And that is so not worth it for me. <laughs> like, obviously, right? So I share it because I think a lot of people feel the same way. I've had a lot of patients that, you know, get really drunk and attempt to end their life and they wake up and they're like, I'm not actually suicidal. Like I was just drunk. Right. And so I just really want to talk about it because I think Everyone has a relationship with alcohol. It's very prevalent in our society. And I want to encourage the conversation of like, let's question this. Let's evaluate. Is this good for us? How can I drink alcohol safely? Because I know for me, I can't. I, 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 it's, it's not worth it for me. I don't want to have a glass or two of wine because I feel left out if I say no and then struggle with everything else that comes after. For me, I'm very confident in my decision to stop drinking. I I almost like we'll get into, you know, what alcohol serves for us and all of those things. But for me, every time I say no to drinking, even if it means, you know, I feel left out with my friends or even if it means, you know, people judge me and they and they question me or, you know, I'm not relaxing as much as everybody else. Every time that I say no to alcohol, it's almost like I, I get like an endorphin rush because I'm consciously choosing myself. I am saying, Sydney, my relationship with you, with your well-being, with your safety is more important than any, any amount of fun that alcohol could bring me, any amount of tastiness that a drink can bring me. And every time I order a mocktail or I just drink water or I drive my friends when we go out instead of getting drunk with them. I'm choosing myself and that is so empowering. 
I want to encourage you to think about your relationship with alcohol and drinking, just like any other relationship. And when you think about it this way, you can kind of conceptualize it in a little bit different of a way. So really think about like, what is alcohol's purpose in my life? What does it, what does drinking mean to me? What, what does alcohol do for me? Right. And so when I think of this, I think of drinking provides a sense of inclusion. You know, if you're, if you're out at a bar or at a party and someone goes, Hey, do you want to drink? You feel like you're part of the group. And from an evolutionary standpoint, this is very important because that helped us survive. Belonging and fitting in was important to our survival, right? Alcohol, I think of another thing that it does is it it helps you relax. I think a lot of people after a stressful day at work or a big event, they just want to have a glass of wine and relax, right? It also kind of helps you pause and, and it's like you're not in work mode because you're having a drink. Um, alcohol also, like I was talking about, lowers your inhibitions. It helps you let loose. I think it helps you have a lot of fun. And that is something that I definitely noticed, um, in my relationship with alcohol that was really beneficial was that I was able to just have fun and, and be silly and not really care about what other people are thinking of me because alcohol kind of lowers that awareness in your head. The last thing I want to talk about is what alcohol does for us, at least from my experience, is alcohol numbs us. And this is something that it's kind of a double-ended sword. It can be really beneficial and it can also be very harmful because when you're numbing something, you're not, you're not dealing with it adequately, but it does feel good in the moment. Right. And so I want to talk about alcohol, but it also is not about alcohol because there's plenty of things that we can do to numb ourselves out. And I noticed like when I gave up drinking, there's other things that I do that help me numb and escape and avoid feeling difficult things. So as I'm talking about all of this, it, what I'm really talking about is your relationship with anything that's helping you numb your feelings, right? We're talking about the things that help us avoid hard feelings <laughs> and alcohol is one of them because Let's say you're really sad. You have a couple of drinks and, and you feel warm and fuzzy inside. That sadness goes away temporarily, right? And so that is something big that alcohol does in our lives. And like I said, it can be good and bad. It just depends. And I really want to come from a place of non-judgment because something that I've realized in my journey is I've started to really judge drinking and alcohol. And I kind of make it mean things about people that drink. And I don't want to come from like a high horse or anything like that because there are plenty of things that I do to avoid hard feelings, right? And so, for example, one of them that I used to do was I used to self-harm. And self-harm creates this glorious numbing feeling. And it's very similar to alcohol in the way that like when, at least I noticed, like as soon as I would cut myself, I would feel like this warm feeling in my chest, like... I was able to calm down. I was able to like focus on something else and completely, completely numb how I was feeling. And I think it's important to note that when you're doing these behaviors, right, you're drinking, you're self-harming, you're binge watching TV, you're online shopping, you're distracting yourself with other people, you're smoking weed, you're doing other drugs, all of these efforts, all of these behaviors are attempts to self-soothe. 
And that was something that was really, it was, it was a reframe that was really helpful for me because you're trying to feel better, right? You're trying to take care of yourself. And the question is now, is this thing that I'm doing helpful for me? Is it the healthiest way that I could be taking care of myself? Is it beneficial to me? And drinking very well, very well might be helpful to you in that situation. And that's why I want to come from a place of non-judgment because for me, my relationship with alcohol is harmful. And there's other things in my life that are harmful as well, right? So on the journey of, of healing yourself and bettering yourself, how can we find things that are helpful to us that also help us feel better? And a lot of this numbing behavior is trying to avoid a feeling, right? And so if we learn to notice when we're trying to numb, when we have an urge to drink or do X, Y, and Z, we notice, you know, okay, I'm having this urge and being able to pause and let that urge pass is really powerful because we're all just trying to feel better. And drinking is really convoluted. And I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why, but it's an attempt to feel better, right? And so how can we do that in a healthy way, right? So really examine what alcohol means to you. What is your relationship with it, right? So I listed some things that alcohol does that serves us, right? We're belonging, we're relaxing, we're letting loose, X, Y, and Z. But what are some, what are some negatives that, or some less beneficial experiences that you have with alcohol? I listed, you know, like my inhibitions get lower, my negative thoughts get louder. I feel very hungover. Um, and I really just want to encourage you to examine your own personal relationship with alcohol because it can be like a relationship with anything else. This relationship can be toxic like mine was. And especially like that cycle that I had before I really took my sobriety seriously was, you know, okay, I'm going to drink because I want to fit in and I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to keep doing it. And it was this like very toxic cycle of breaking trust with like my higher self, basically. So I really just want you to, to really examine what is my relationship with alcohol? What does it do for me? What do I not love about it? And I just, I encourage you to do this just so you can understand yourself better. I'm not, you know, preaching, you need to stop drinking, but there's a reason why you don't feel good when you drink. There's a reason why you might have an internal conflict, right? And so it's really important to evaluate behaviors like that. And so the next thing I want to talk about is if you cut back on drinking or whatever your numbing behavior is, you cut back on online shopping, you cut back on binge watching TV every single day, right? Something to think about is if you were never allowed to do that thing again, what is upsetting about that? If I told you, you are never allowed to drink again, what are you thinking? What, what are you missing out on, right? If someone told me that, I would think I'm never going to have fun again. I'm never going to be able to enjoy, you know, weddings or baseball games with my friends. I'm never going to be able to really truly have a ridiculous amount of fun. Again, that is, that's what my brain's making me think. And you can think of this, like if you were never allowed to binge watch TV again, then you'd never truly be able to relax. You'd never truly be able to let yourself rest. Right. And so it's important to think about this because I think a lot of us go black and white with cutting things out of our lives with alcohol, with, for example, I'm vegetarian. And I think whenever I tell people, they're like, oh my gosh, well, like I would never 
be able to like not eat chicken again for the rest of my life. Why are we thinking it has to be a hundred or zero percent? Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can reduce your intake for anything. You can cut back on behaviors. It doesn't have to be, you're never going to do it again because that really overwhelms people. If you think, you know, I'm not going to drink ever again in my life. You think about all the things you're going to miss out on in the days, weeks, months, years to come. When reality is, it is a choice that you make every day, every time it's presented to you. And it's not that, you know, I can't drink again. It's I'm choosing not to drink. And it can be, I'm choosing not to drink right now. I'm choosing not to drink this month. I think if you really go all or nothing, black and white, it deters a lot of people from from making changes. And like I notice this whenever I tell people I'm vegetarian, it's like, so you're never going to eat meat ever again? And it's like, why are you thinking about it like that? Like we literally could all die tomorrow. Like <laughs> You're worrying about this future when reality is the only thing that exists is this present moment. And this present moment, what is serving you? What is the choice that you want to make? And you can always choose to have a drink in the future. You can always choose to have that behavior again. It's just right now in this moment, what are you doing? Now we're going to talk about some barriers to cutting back on drinking. What makes it so hard to to be sober and to say no to alcohol if that's not what's best for you? So something that I found really difficult is alcohol is everywhere, right? It is in every social setting. And that was something that I noticed when I was trying to give it up. It was really hard because it's like I couldn't even go out to dinner because the waiters come by and they ask what you're drinking and everyone at the table is drinking and you feel like you want to be included or you go to a wedding and there's an open bar. You're like, it's free. I might as well do it. Everyone else is going to be drunk. When you go out to bars or you go dancing, a lot of people use alcohol to kind of um, as like social lubricant, right? You can drink and then you'll go and talk to people and be more social and everyone's going to notice if you stop drinking, right? That's what you think. Um, and I think that this is a really big barrier into you know, cutting out alcohol. It's, it's just, it's everywhere. Like a baseball game. Uh, it's, I mean, it's so normal to drink in almost any setting and even some jobs, like you go to happy hour right after. And it's, if you don't go, then you miss out. And if you're not drinking, then, you know, there's peer pressure too. I think that was something that I found really difficult whenever I was being brave and said, you know, no, I'm not going to drink. I faced a lot of pushback from people in my life you know, why aren't you drinking? And it's like questioning. And then people are like, well, are you okay with me drinking? And sometimes people would get defensive because, or even triggered seeing someone cut back on their alcohol. It almost makes people question, well, why am I drinking? And, you know, I I noticed that a lot of people were pretty touchy with it. They're like, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. I just don't feel like drinking. Like, it's just not what's best for me right now. And let me give you a little a little gem that I learned from saying no to alcohol for over two years now. Nobody cares if you're drinking or not drinking. Like, honestly, people are so focused on themselves that no one is really going to stay up late at night thinking, well, why isn't Sydney drinking? Right? No one cares what's in your cup. I mean, there's moments in social interactions, like if all your friends are taking shots and you're not, right? That's, you do feel a little bit left out. If you're around people, that are shaming you or judging you for not drinking, do you really want to be around people like that? Especially if choosing not to drink is what's best for you. Do you really want to be around people who are who are questioning you and your efforts to care for yourself? I don't think that 
is very supportive and loving. And like something I do when I go out, it's like if my friends take shots, like I'll pour myself a shot of like, usually I have like a mocktail um, or like liquid death. I freaking love liquid death Um, because you don't feel left out, right? You're holding a big cup and it's less obvious that you're sober. Then another barrier to, to drinking is the habit, right? You drink to feel better most of the time. You drink to kind of help yourself feel good or get rid of those emotions that are difficult. And it's over time, it's an automatic habit. So if you've had a really hard work day and every time you have a hard work day and you want to relax, you drink a glass of wine, you've now associated relaxing with drinking a glass of wine. When in reality, something that you can do the next time, you know, you find yourself wanting to grab a drink or wanting to use that specific numbing behavior, you know, you can fill it in with anything. You can pause. And this is really a beneficial self-care tip is you notice that you have the urge like, okay, I really want to relax. I had a super stressful day. So you're noticing, okay, this is what I want. I want to relax or I want to calm down or whatever it is. And then you can ask yourself, what do I need to take care of myself right now? And, And give yourself that thing that is more aligned with your higher self, right? I'm not saying don't drink. Okay. So let's say this is like a common example in my life. I come home, I'm stressed out. What do I need to take care of myself? I need a five to 10 minute meditation because that will help me calm my nervous system. That'll help me feel grounded. I will feel more at peace. And then from that place, that grounded place, once I've taken a step to take care of myself, if I want a glass of wine, then I can do that. But the wine or alcohol or the vice, whatever yours is, isn't the first thing that you're doing to soothe yourself. And so you're proving to yourself when you do that over and over again, that you can form this new habit, that you can choose healthier behaviors that are better for you. And I don't want to say, I don't know, I feel like even the word healthier has its own weight to it, but what is helpful to you and what is harmful to you? And I'm not saying that alcohol is harmful to everybody. I'm just using that example because of my own personal experience with it. Another barrier to reducing your alcohol intake is the stigma. Oh my gosh, have I really experienced this? Um, especially going out. I, I go out to like less bars and stuff now just because like I'm not drinking. So if there's not a dance floor. Honestly, I'm not interested. <laughs> um, but I noticed right when I was first deciding not to drink, when I would go out, I'd go up to the bar and I'd ordered like a Sprite. And I would have like bartenders be like, oh, well, I'm going to pour some vodka in that. And I'm like, no, like, I'm not drinking. They're like, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking? And it's kind of what I talked about earlier. Sometimes your choice to not drink can really trigger other people, especially if they have a touchy relationship with alcohol. I think, I believe that everyone has a higher self and that they all have this divine knowing, this being, this spirit in them. And I think that sometimes when people get triggered, it's because their their being knows better and their actions aren't in alignment with their being. And so your choice to choose the route of your higher self and more alignment sometimes mirrors back to people that that's not what they're doing and that they know better. And the easy thing for other people to do is to shame you for it and to judge you for it. And then, I mean, there's also this stigma around all of mental health in general, but, you know, there's alcoholism. And a lot of times when I would tell people, oh, I'm not drinking, they're like, oh, like you must have had a really bad experience with it, which is true. I did, but it's not like I was an alcoholic. I wasn't like waking up and drinking all day. It was, it was different. And, and honestly, I had never even really heard anyone else talk about 
their negative relationship with alcohol because it's everywhere. I mean, you think of college, all the binge drinking that goes on. Every event is acceptable to drink at. So it's it's almost abnormal to not drink, right? There's stigma because it's not the norm. And then another barrier is denial. So I personally didn't, I mean, I guess I did kind of experience this though, because I knew that drinking wasn't for me. I knew it didn't serve me. And for almost a year, I continued to drink and then feel like shit and then choose to drink and then feel like shit. And I knew better the whole time, but I almost didn't want to admit that, you know, I'm young. I'm in my twenties and drinking isn't good for me. Drinking doesn't serve my highest self. And that was a big thing to give up because I felt, you know, like we talked about earlier, like drinking serves so many purposes in your life. And a big one for me was like socialization because I affiliated drinking with all of the social events in my life, right? You go to parties, you drink, you go to sporting events, you drink, you go to weddings, you drink. And I guess I, I was in denial that I, I, something that was a part of all that social scene wasn't good for me. And I wanted it to be, I wanted it to work, but it just, it, it, it's not, it's not for me and that's okay. Right. And the last barrier I want to talk about is the fear of change because giving up alcohol, depending on its prevalence in your life is a really big change. It's a big difference. And the people in your life might be resistant. You might be resistant. You're going to have to to find other ways to cope with life. Right. When, when you have a stressful day, you can't, well, you're choosing not to go to alcohol. So, so what does that mean? What is, what is my life going to be like if I don't have this, this substance anymore? And that is a completely valid fear, right? And I really just encourage you, you know, one step at a time, it doesn't have to be today. I'm never having a sip of alcohol ever again in my life. Because when you put those expectations on yourself, when you restrict something, your urges are going to go up way, way more. I mean, you can think about this with anything. Think about like dieting. If you say, I'm never eating sugar, the only thing you're going to think about is eating a candy bar just because you're putting these intense restrictions on yourself. So if you restrict yourself saying, I'm never going to drink again, all you're going to think about is drinking. And then if you do slip up and you have a drink or you have sugar or whatever, you know, you, you relapse on whatever you're trying to kick out of your life, then you feel all the shame and guilt and, and all the pressure that you put on yourself. You just feel so much worse. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be, I'm never doing this again. It can be, I'm going to be more mindful about my alcohol consumption, or I'm going to be intentional about it, or I'm only going to drink after 7 p.m. And you can set those boundaries with yourself so that way you can you can be the best version of yourself. I'm going to wrap up with talking about the benefits of sobriety. And a lot of these are things that I've directly experienced myself. And like they're not talked about very often. They're pretty great. So the first thing I think of is you can be the designated driver for your friends. And I hate driving. So initially, like if I were listening to somebody else say this, I'd be like, okay, Sydney, like that still sounds horrible. Like it's not that great. However, I take a lot of pride in being able to take my friends home safely at the end of the night and like providing my friends a service. Like usually whenever I'm driving around, first of all, I can pick the music so I can get the car bumping however I want because I'm driving. And then I know all of my friends got home safely because I'm the one dropping them off. And it's like this, um, this symbiotic relationship. Like my friends help me so much and it's like, I'm doing something for them because I love them and I want them to get home safely. Another great thing is if you're not drinking or using substances, you can drive whenever you need to. So like 
if if you realize, oh shit, I need to go pick up a prescription or go to the grocery store, you can just get in your car and go and not even think about it. Whereas if you're under the influence of substances, you have to be like, oh, am I good enough to drive? And oh, I could get into a whole thing about driving under the influence, but I won't. Just please don't do it. Call an Uber or walk. Call a friend. Do not get behind the car if you're impaired. Okay. Another benefit of sobriety. Sorry, I'm getting a little silly. Um, Actually, I'm not sorry, but you know, I'm a little silly. That's a preface. Um, a benefit of sobriety is increased cognition. So I don't know if anyone's experienced like the brain fog that you get from alcohol. I would really feel it when I was hungover. Like I literally couldn't even form thoughts. Like my brain felt scrambled after drinking. Um, and I actually had a friend who she did, I think five weeks sober. And she said it took about two weeks for her brain fog to lift. But at the end of the five weeks of her sobriety, she was like sharp and sleeping better and all of these different things. And so there's this, there's this, I mean, alcohol is really detrimental for your brain. I don't want to be that person that says this, but it's literally a poison. And that's why, you know, alcoholics over time, they have seizures, they lose their memory. They, I I remember I had this patient when I was in nursing school that had horrible, horrible dementia. And it was because he drank, he had like a type of uh, dementia based from alcohol. So not only if you reduce your intake of alcohol, does your cognition get better, you're sharper, you're more able to focus, but you're able to remember things. And this goes hand in hand, like you don't black out, right? So you literally have the memories of that night, but you're also more aware of what's going on when you're going out because you're not, you know, numbing your mind and body's awareness. So like, I love going out sober because I'm like, oh yeah, remember when you guys said that? Like, remember when this thing happened? And like, it's really nice to be able to know exactly what happened throughout your night and be aware. Um, and it's also a safety concern. Like I know as a woman going out, I don't feel safe all the time. So when I'm sober, I'm like, don't mess with me. Like people don't know how sharp my awareness is right now. Like I, I'm able to pick up on if someone's being creepy or following me or anything like that, because I'm sober and I have all my senses at their full 100% versus being kind of numbed out and dulled with substances. And another point of this awareness and remembering things like, um, so my brother got married in February. Um, it was so much fun. And there was an open bar at the wedding. And I knew I wasn't going to drink because I had been not drinking for a while. And, um, you know, I faced the usual peer pressure. Like, you sure you don't want to drink? Like, it's free, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm good. And, um, like, almost everybody in my family got super drunk. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun because I was, like, the watcher of everything. Like, I had all my awareness. And I was, like watching like my sister get like absolutely crunk on the dance floor like I was just watching them be kind of like funny and messy and stuff and um it was it was really funny in the moment because uh, my twin sister Ava <laughs> she was pretty she was pretty drunk and towards the end of the night she was like Sydney I feel so bad that you're not drinking like I I just want you to feel included I feel really bad that you're not drunk like us and I was like laughing to myself I'm like babe I feel bad for you right now <laughs> like um all the all the people in my family had like a really bad hangover the next day and they're like so when did this happen and and what time did I do this and I was kind of like the reteller of events because first of all we had picture evidence which is hilarious but I remembered all everything which was honestly invaluable like it's my brother's wedding like of course I want to remember every moment of that it was awesome um another plus that's pretty obvious is you save money I wish I had like calculated how much money um, I've saved from not drinking, but let's say you go out twice a week. Okay. And you get like two drinks each. So let's say you spend $40 a week on alcohol, right? I feel like that's pretty standard. Um, you know, whatever, maybe more, maybe less, but okay. 
I'm really bad at math, so bear with me. But $40 a week or a year, that is over $2,000. That's insane. And if you think, like, I mean, I feel like most people spend more than $40 a week on alcohol. Like, you buy a bottle of wine here, you do all this stuff here, and then you're Ubering, and then you're paying for parking if, you know, if someone's parking. Or, um, you know, you're spending money on drunk food when you go out. That was another big benefit of going out sober is, like, I'm mindful with the food that I eat. I remember when I used to drink, like, I could literally have anything in front of me and I would eat all of it. Like, I was, like, um, I had no inhibition with food. I would just literally eat whatever. I remember one time I got so drunk. I've, I've been vegetarian for years. And one time I got so drunk, I was begging my boyfriend at the time for a bite of a hamburger. I was like, let me try it. Let me try it. He was like, no, no, no. And I literally, like, like elbowed him, took a bite of the hamburger, which was bad. It was like a football stadium hamburger. And I threw up all night because my body, like, cannot process meat. So you save money for a bunch of reasons when you don't drink. And then I'll kind of rapid fire a couple more benefits. You sleep better, your mood stabilizes, you have more energy, you're less fatigued, and you have increased self-esteem and self-trust. And I want to talk about this one because I absolutely relate to it because it's almost like you're setting a goal and you're reaching it over and over again. So you're proving to yourself, like, look, I can do what I set my mind to. I'm, I'm determined. Like, this is important to me and I'm showing up for myself. That is so invaluable. Like, that in itself is more than enough motivation for me to not drink let alone with all the other stuff we've talked about. Um, and another benefit is you have improved relationships in your life. I know that in my past, when I've gotten really drunk, I've been hurtful to, to significant others. I've said really mean things to, to the people I care about. And when I don't have alcohol, I don't have that um, no filter in my brain. And everything that I say is very intentional. And that is something like, I think we all know those people that get like super angry when they drink. Or they, they have, you know, no filter and they say things that offend people. And when you take substances out of your life, you really, you salvage a lot of the relationships because you're being your true authentic self. And the last benefit I want to touch on is resilience. So when you are, when you are taking out your vice, right, this example is alcohol, but when you're taking out that numbing behavior and using other skills, you are proving to yourself that you are resilient, that you can rely on yourself and your coping skills in order to address hard feelings and to regulate yourself. I mean, there is no better feeling than knowing that you are, you are capable of taking care of yourself. And that is all that I have for this episode. I really hope you liked it. I was being very authentic and, and vulnerable and really just speaking from my own experience. So we talked about my relationship with alcohol and how it tied into my mental health. We talked about some barriers to sobriety and some benefits of sobriety. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. It's really meaningful to me. If you engage in any way, you can follow my healer or my Instagram at you are the healer. It's a U and an R. Um, you can follow my personal Instagram at Sydney Rinder. I'm also Sydney Rinder on TikTok and Twitter, and I post all kinds of mental health content. Um, there's a bunch of links in the description on ways that you can support me. And if you like this episode, if it was meaningful to you, absolutely, please, please, please share it with someone that you think would love it, that would relate to it. And there's also different ways of engaging. I know on Spotify, there's polls and there's Q&As and you can engage in those. And if 
you want to tell me what you were doing when you're watching this episode? I think that's super fun. Like if you're going on a walk, maybe send me a little picture of you on your walk saying listening to the podcast. I just love seeing kind of the butterfly effect of where this podcast goes. It's really meaningful to me. And sometimes I need a little motivation to keep recording. So I really appreciate any effort that you put into supporting You Are the Healer. And um, I just want to remind you that you have all the tools inside you to help yourself. Take care. Okay, wait, actually, before you go, I just want to say, if you're someone that has a rough relationship with alcohol, if you are like me and you can't really drink in a healthy and safe way, there is nothing wrong with you. It is, it is okay that you're choosing to not partake in something that's harmful to you. And I'm sorry if anyone's made you feel otherwise or shamed you or judged you for doing what's best for yourself. I'm here with you. You are not alone. We can have a mocktail together and pour one out in solidarity. There is nothing wrong with you. And I'm really proud and supportive of you in your decision to do what's best for yourself. Okay, there is nothing wrong with not needing alcohol in your life. There's nothing wrong at all. And you're doing the best that you can. And I love you and I'm rooting for you. Quick disclaimer that all the views expressed in You Are The Healer are my own. They are not a substitute for any legal, professional, mental health advice. It is just educational purposes and me sharing my experiences. This podcast is not intended to replace any professional medical or mental health advice.